Friends, how's it going? It's Tiffany Pratt. This is my love jam. I know it's wild to think that I have a podcast all about love, but let me tell you, even though I'm a designer, creative director, creative person, artist, author, TV, whatever, there's absolutely nothing that I've ever done in my life that has been more important than bringing love into everything that I've ever done. And this is a podcast all about that. I have met miraculous, cool, incredible people along the way, and I want to introduce you to some of them. I want to talk to you about my journey. I want to share some of the things that I've learned. And more than anything in the whole world, I don't want you to feel alone. As a creative person, I want us to feel like a powerful community of supportive friends that can turn to each other and know that no matter what, we've got each other's back. So that's what the Love Jam's all about. Let's talk about it. Let's get down in the middle of it. Let's uncover it. Let's see all of its colors. And let's jam. Let's jam about love. That's the Love Jam. I'm pretty excited that I got a sponsor for this podcast. Hey, Coco. Wait, what? Can I'm in the, I'm in the, hold on, I'm in the washroom. Oh, I just need you to even read the sponsorship ad, jeez. Just wanted you to read the sponsorship ad. I'm back. Oh, wow. Yeah, by the way, your bathroom, really nice, really nice fixtures. What's going on there? Well, I had my bathroom redone with Delta Faucets Canada. It's, oh. Uh, I know. Uh, there no, you it's go. pretty right? slick in there, right? Right. Makes sense. I know. Sense. It's actually pretty fitting because uh, this episode of the Love Jam has in part been made possible by my friends at the Delta Faucets Canada, they, uh, they've made the magic happen for me. Well, you know, innovation and design have been at the heart of the Delta brand for over 50 years. They have poured that into every product they make, creating savvy, sturdy faucets and accessories with smart design on the inside and out. Well, now you know why you like my bathroom so oh, much. Jeez, makes total sense. <laughs> I'm so giddy right now. <laughs> we had to, I, I had to breathe. I had to do a breathing exercise before we got started because I, I thought, you know, this is, we're going to start this off on the wrong and the right foot all at the same time. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I would like to introduce to you one of my favorite humans on this planet, Michelle Silverstein. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like 92% of your job, Coco, is going to be just editing out our giggles. Yeah, <laughs> Coco, oh shit. Here they go. <laughs> it's not even a minute in and we've got some editing to do. <laughs> Michelle Silverstein into house. Michelle, thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. I love you so much. I love you a lot. I start all my podcasts with the love story. Okay. And I'm going to have you start. Okay. Our so love it's story. our love story. Okay. So we, I'll let you start, but bottom line is this is, this is truly how it began. Michelle Silverstein, you have the floor. Okay. So, um, you needed your hair done. I was at, it was my day off. This was like, I guess like oh, a year and a bit ago now. Yeah. It was my day off, and I get this phone call, a frantic phone call from this, like, burst of energy lady. 
Hello! (laughs) (laughs) And I should preface this by saying, I knew that you might be calling because my friend Ashley, who you know, had, she was out of town. She was like, you're kind of, you were going to get your hair done and you needed somebody. I need to just preface this with, I love to prepare everything so far in advance. Yeah. When it comes to myself, I suck because I think of myself last yeah. And then I'm like, oh, Jesus. And I rented a dress and I didn't even think about the fact that my hair needed to be up. And yeah. this is obviously the precursor to knowing what Michelle Silverstein does. <laughs> um, and so continue. So I got the call. You're like, so could you just come by in, I don't know, like an hour or two and do my hair? It's <laughs> like, yeah, okay. And honestly, I think if anybody else had asked other than Ashley, I probably would have been like, uh, it's my day off. I'm going to chill, stay at home and be a blob but, like, but you were so i remember being i remember hearing your voice and you're like yeah you know what it's my day off but i'm totally gay like you were immediately i heard your voice and i was like i love this person already <laughs> i remember thinking i love this person already you were you had like this bright light in your voice well i will and- say ashley did say that she's like i'm probably gonna lose tiffany forever to you you guys are gonna fall in love and that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> and so i had that in my head but i had no idea I also had no idea who you were or any of, like, your world. It was just a complete stranger other than just, like, knowing you through somebody. Which was so brilliant. And then I showed up at your house, and I stood at the bottom of the stairs, and you like, <laughs> appeared <laughs> to say, hello! <laughs> like, that's, like, your classic greeting, I would say, for people. Coming, coming up the stairs. Yeah. Hi! Yeah, screaming some sort of. Well, all I remember was I. It was this. It was a high stress moment for me. Yeah, it was a big launch party for um, an event, uh, a whole series of installations I had done for yeah. a company for the holidays. Yeah, and this was the big launch party, and hundreds of people would be there, and I was so wrapped up in like weeks and weeks and weeks of making and preparation, and this was sort of like the very end of it, and um, and of course, you know, didn't think of myself, didn't think of, you know, what I needed to do to prepare for this moment physically, me- emotionally, mentally, and in comes Michelle Silverstein. <laughs> and so, then we just embraced, and we sat down, and I started doing your hair, and I think we just, I don't even remember how it came up, but we started talking about, like, card readings and, like, spirituality, and... We, well, it's hard not to have that conversation, because I will preface this with, I have a huge altar. Yes. As soon as you enter my house, there's Truth. an altar. Maybe that's what sparked it. Yeah. I was very excited because I have a lot of the same things on my altar. Yes. I think we bonded actually over we have a a mutual dish of sorts for our smudge. Dish. But but I I think it started with just, and what you guys should know about me, not to say that I'm a control freak in a bad way, but I generally do my own hair and makeup. Yeah. So I generally don't reach out for hair and makeup. I do it myself. Even when you do reach out, I will interject and say that even when I'm there, you do do a lot of it yourself or like (laughs) make, make... Asterisks, but I was very flattered after I finished your hair because I knew you were likely going to change it, and I had been warned that you were likely to change it and to not take it personally or not like I didn't touch think my hair. about it. Yeah, and you, everybody from that night had said too they were very surprised, like the people in your world. But not only surprised that I didn't touch it, but also surprised um, how incredible and beautiful and exceptional it was, and oh. it was a work of art on my head. Basically, she did an updo that was like. It was actually, it was masterful work. And okay, it was done. No, it wasn't aggressive. <laughs> You're like, it was, it was masterful. And it was done so quickly and skillfully. And 
Before I knew it, some strip lashes were being thrown on my face, yeah. and I was running out the door. In this amazing gown. That gown was something. That was a real something. And you were running down the street to take pictures with Coco on the way. Exactly. And this is pre-Coco, actually. This is like, the Coco, this is pre-you. This is what I was doing to get ready. Yes. Yeah. was with Michelle. So in that moment, a few things happened. One, I felt like the stars aligned because this person that was behind me, I didn't get to look at your face. You were asking me about myself and how I felt and asking mm -hmm. me about my event. And you immediately felt made me feel peace and calm. And you made me feel like I was, I remember getting dressed and I, I didn't feel beautiful. I felt like I was just like a thing getting dressed, running out the door. And you, you did, you made me feel beautiful. Oh, and you I, are beautiful. But this is an incredible gift, I think, that you have to share with the world. And I want to, I want you to dig in today. Okay. And talk about beauty. So I want you to talk about what you do, how you got there, and how you bring love to it. Because I remember feeling like I had met someone so incredibly special, and I left the event that night. I was tearing out the 385,000 <laughs> pins. Well, you have so much hair. <laughs> you have, you, I was worried about fitting all of it into the updo, and so like I had to... You pinned the shit out of my head. I had to Houdini those pins in and out. Like, <laughs> I probably used half a box of pins. But the, it was magical because like, we couldn't even see them. No. That was the That was the crazy part. We buried the, We really buried them in there. Yeah, but it didn't feel like I had all those Houdini pins in my head. And... <laughs> Yeah. My hair didn't move all night. It was pretty. That was a that was one of my favorite hairstyles we've done for you. It's it was it was incredible. And I actually, you know, it's one of those things where you, you don't want to take it out at night. Yeah. I was like, can I sleep? You can't in? sleep on that. No, no, hell no. No. But I remember taking the pins out going, I think my favorite part of this day was being in my place with Michelle getting oh. ready for the event. And so I texted you that night and I said, Oh my you, you texted me the nicest look. I I had friends over and you had texted me and I remember reading it and getting like all verklempt like teary-eyed, mm. which isn't unusual for me. But I, I just remember, and you had given me a copy of your book and you wrote a note in it. And a dear friend of mine was over that night and he read, he read it before I had even read it because I just like brought it home with me. I put it down and he said, I think you met somebody really special today and he's a little psychic. So I always trust what his instincts mm. are. And he was like, I think this is going to be an important person for you. And I was like, oh, and I didn't really think much of it past that. And then it was like a few months later, I remember coming across the book and like opening it up. And I was like, oh my God, we really did fall in love like the first day we met. It was, it was instant for me. Yeah. And we, it went from Ditto. you, you know, creating calm and peace, not only in my home, but with me and making me feel really beautiful in a time where I didn't even give myself a chance to feel that. Mm -hmm. And then also, you know, we stumbled upon some elements of ourselves that were so alike yeah and that like the angel cards and spirituality and yeah. na, 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 na. and so i remember you know bookmarking in my head like i want to call this person for like an angel card reading yeah so i want to dig into that too because okay. i i think some of my favorite people in this world have their own alchemy of special skills and magical abilities that they turn into something that is entirely all their own so first start with I know lots of things have happened in your life, but how did you come to makeup and beauty? Oh, that's a really funny story. Okay, so I've always been obsessed with makeup. There's pictures of me from the age of two with makeup on. I used to always have makeup on at home. Like my parents wouldn't let me run around the city with makeup on in fairness, but like at home, always had makeup on. 
My nails were always painted. If any of my friends came over, they were immediately going to be made up. <laughs> like, it was not an option. Bit of a makeup bully. I feel kind of bad in hindsight. It was probably, like, a little traumatic for some of the kids. But I always had to put makeup on. Um, and I think that really came from, like, my mom, my grandmother, like, um, my aunts. Like, they're always well done up. They used to go for their um, seasonal makeups where they no. would update their colors every season. I can't. At Carol Baker Visage. I can't. And every season they would get the new colors and stuff. And then inevitably, like, I would get the hand-me-down stuff. Brilliant. So it was great. And I just, I was always really given the space to experiment, to play. And then, like, moving into my teen years and adult years, it was always an obsession for me. Like, all my pocket money was always going to makeup and stuff, like, as a little kid. And then as a teenager, because I had acquired this skill set, I had, I was the place where before we would go out, my friends would come over and I would do their hair and makeup and like I loved it. I always loved it, but it never occurred to me that that could be a career. Hmm. So I was on a really different path, a really different trajectory. I actually went, my undergraduate was sociology. I did teacher's college. And so I was really on the path to being a teacher, an elementary school teacher, and I hated it. It was what one did of those. You, what didn't you like? What what? You know what? It's one of those things. I think naturally, I have a good sense of communication, so I fit really well into teaching. And I think I'm a real people person. I'm good with people of all ages. You see me. Boy, are you ever? <laughs> you can like throw me in a. If you leave me in a room with a wall, I'll make it talk back to me at some point. You know, like I like I like people. This is my favorite person to bring to a situation, an event, or a party that I'm not sure I want to be at. I'm a great plus one. You are my favorite plus one. Thank you. I'm yeah. like a great plus one. Um, and, uh, so once I was in teacher's college, I had almost like a mental breakdown of sorts because I was so terrified at the prospect of being on that career path. It just didn't feel right to me. I think the things that really sold it as not going to be for me where I had one student in particular I remember bless he tried so hard and a lot of the other teachers hated him because you know I think once kids are troublemakers and act out a lot of teachers just write them off because and then they're going through the school where like the other teacher knew they were garbage and then they go in the staff room and they talk about him whatever and he just I liked him we just clicked he was a little bit of a weirdo in the best way but he was not scholastically gifted. He had a really brilliant mind. He could look at things. And I tried so hard to work with him. And, like, his effort wasn't good enough, like, to make the grades, you yeah, know? Like, yeah. I had to mark based on a curriculum. And it just... It's heartbreaking. It just didn't feel right to me. Like, I didn't want to be the type of person who was contributing to somebody's life in the way where I was telling them that even when you're doing your best, it's not going to be good enough. Which is an important lesson, I guess. But, like... That's a bummer. I don't want to do that all day. But also, too, you know, there are certain people that can do that in a way that is, doesn't affect them as much. I would go <laughs> home and be crying, like, <laughs> hysterical. Yes. Um, part of that was my own, like, I was in a bad way because it just didn't feel right. I just, being in the school system is just not for me. I hated teaching math, too. I would have panic attacks at the idea of, like, dealing with numbers. Can I also just say, though, I love that you and I also have come at our creative lives from a place of teaching. Totally. And being with young children. Totally. Because I think there's a baseline between us that has a, a certain playfulness. 
Yes. And I think we both, we've said this to each other before, but like when we get together, it's like little inner child Tiffany and little inner child Michelle just like start like giggling and sniggering like the whole time. We're little jerks together. Yeah. We're in the back. Like, <laughs> yeah. We're like the um, kids that would get kicked out of the class <laughs> for being dicks and like, <laughs> like bothering all the like, you know. Because we're just laughing too hard and, yeah. and carrying on. Class clowns. We are class clowns. But I will say, I think what you did in your teacher's experience. Yeah. Is and I'm this is my this is my way of foreshadowing what I want you to talk about. Okay. But I feel like you bring your teaching experience to the beauty industry. Totally. You have deep passion and love for um, color and the alchemy of color and really making each person feel like their own thing. Yeah. You don't have the what one thing I've observed about your your style, especially on social media or even when you're with me, mm-hmm. is you never let what you've done dictate how you're going to do it the next day. Every day is a new slate for how you approach a face. Cause I look at all the different body of work that you've had and nothing looks like anything else. And I really love that about what you do. But then I also believe there's a teaching element to that, which means that you're teaching people that they can be all sorts of different things. Yeah. Well, I do teach lessons for makeup now. This is what I want to talk about. I do. So I guess like to just circle back to how I got to makeup, just so once I had that like mental breakdown, I have to say the best gift I ever had. I had a phenomenal therapist. <laughs> I love her so much. I think everybody should go to therapy at some point. It's Why? The, because it teaches you how to have a conversation with your inner dialogue in a much more healthy way. And Great. she just gave me the tools to kind of navigate the stresses and anxieties that come. I'm a really anxious person, like way up there. I guess I can't do gestures on a podcast, but my hand was like up above my head. And see, <laughs> I know Michelle and have for a while, and I don't I don't look at her as an anxious person, but inside of herself is an anxious person. Yeah, I'm a hot mess. But a see, hot mess. But it see, takes a whole village to keep me like grounded. But, but like I've I'm had to develop you, those tools. I don't I don't get that. But you know, that's the beautiful thing about being a human. Yeah. Is that like what's happening outside isn't always what's happening on the inside. Truth. Okay. Makeup also ties into that, right? Right. <laughs> but then, so she gave, my therapist gave me an assignment because I was just so lost. I was like, I don't know what direction to head. Like, I feel like I just wasted all this time getting these degrees for things that I don't want to do. I'm not going to be a sociologist. Like, what are you going to do? Sorry if anybody, I don't think people are really sociologists for the most part. For the people that are listening that are sociologists. My deepest apologies. We I'm love so you. sorry. Yeah, you're wonderful. It's just not for me. I don't want to yuck your yum, but it's just not my thing. So she gave me an assignment where I had to, for two weeks, any time in my day I felt a sense of joy or excitement, I had to take a picture with my phone to just kind of capture what that was. So I, and then at the end of the two weeks, we had an appointment together and we sat down and kind of looked at, here's everything, what are some of the common things? So things that kind of came up were that I really like Obviously, like, I'm such a sucker for, like, a magazine. I was happy when I was shopping. There was a moment where I was, like, doing my friend's makeup before we were going out for something. And then there were other things, like, I really loved communication and variety. So then I just kind of let that kind of simmer in my head. And at the time, I had gotten a temp job, of course, like, so random. And it happened to be at the Directors Guild where they sent me. Mm-hmm. So it was my first kind of introduction into understanding that creative careers could be a thing. So stop right there. I just want to say, I love this. Yeah. 
that everyone that's listening, if you are at a stage where Michelle was, Mm -hmm. where she's done all this work, she's spent money and time and effort graduating from a class or a school or a degree or a program that is supposed to get you somewhere and you don't know where to go. I absolutely freaking love this list idea of spending two weeks... These, it was like, and to do it with pictures was so much more important for me because I'm so visual. Yeah. So to be able to visually map out and say, wow, there's so many points in my day where I'm really happy and excited. And it could be something as stupid as like, I got a latte and it was great. Or it could be something Doesn't as major matter. as I saw flowers on the street that I loved. Or I looked at this like mom walking her little kid in a funny costume and it was great. Like, you know, it's just... I think putting yourself into the headspace of what brings me joy and what kind of fuels my day was really what kind of opened the pathway for me to visualizing myself in a different space. I love this nugget. Michelle, I freaking love this nugget. It's great. Freaking love this nugget. I want to start throwing things around. (laughs) Okay, so. I I have to say my therapist, Dr. Cheryl Ackerman, life-giving. That's it. Does she have a website? Maybe. I don't know. She's in Toronto? Thornhill. Thornhill. Okay, so anyone that's listening, if you live in the Toronto GTA area, what's her name again? Dr. Cheryl Ackerman. Make Cheryl it happen. Ackerman. Oh, God, she's so good. You're about to get an onslaught. <laughs> okay, so now we're. we're so now I'm like, did you see? I was just a temp, but they loved me. So, like, I kept, I was supposed to be there for two days, and then it turned into four. I wound up being there for like three months. And I just was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to be a makeup artist. I just decided that it was going to happen. And it was probably really ill-informed. Like, I didn't really take a lot of time to ponder it. I think those are the best decisions. Yeah. I looked into the makeup schools available in Toronto, and they're wildly expensive. Like, I'm talking like another like $15,000, $20,000. And I had just come out of university. I was like, there's no not thanks. a chance. Yeah. So I happen to like... This is like a marriage where you don't think about it and you just like know the justice of the peace. Just jump. You don't... Yeah, it's great. So I found a woman who was teaching classes and I'm throwing air quotes around it um, for makeup and it was one-on-one and I worked with her for four days and she kind of like... I will say this. She gave me the confidence to say I'm a makeup artist, but I wouldn't say what I learned with her was of as much value as just her certifying me. And then I was like, okay, four days later, I'm a makeup artist. Great. Here we go. So I got a website. I got business cards (laughs) and I started looking through, there was like um, a connection site at the time, like model mayhem. I think it's still a thing. Maybe. Wow. Coco, you would know. Model mayhem. Mayhem. So I started just booking myself with these people onto shoots and I was like, here we go. Like, I'm just going to start building a portfolio and like making it happen. I want to pause you there. Yeah. I think that there's some real value and confidence. Totally. And knowing that regardless of how much time you've had in the field mm-hmm. or how long you've gone to school. Yeah. If you believe in yourself and you know that that thing that you're doing is your calling. Yeah. You just throw yourself in the game. You just do it. And, you know, get the website, get the business cards and step into the game. I will also say, I think a huge factor for me was I had a very supportive network of people around me. I had parents who said to me, go for it. We're going to help you. Like, you can do this. I had friends who said, you should have been a makeup artist all along. Like, 
it was one of those things that never occurred to anybody. But as soon as I decided it, it was like, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Right. But I also think that it's it's the inner knowing inside of you that loved makeup all your life and loved beauty all your life. 100 percent. By the time you got there, it felt like home. Yeah. It was like, this is where I'm supposed to be. I mean, yes and no. I felt like an imposter for a very long time. And I would say even still, there's a lot of days where I'm like waiting for the other shoe to drop and somebody (laughs) to figure out like, she's not really a makeup artist, which is ridiculous because I've been doing this for like almost seven years now. But And you're incredible. Thank you. But I think it's one of those things where... I think that's a real artist brain thing, too, I've noticed in is other creatives. Is it a too good to be true feeling? It's not that it's too good to be true. It's just, like, I think as artists, people question themselves a lot. And it's I think it's an important thing to have because that's what propels you forward and that's what keeps you working to build your craft and develop it. So I think once you get to the point where you feel like you've got it all figured out, I think that's when you should get out of it because you're 100%. probably not going to grow and do anything else beyond that. And you're also not going to try, keep trying. Totally. You know, the, the effort that you put into anything helps you look at something in a new light or go, go approach it in a new direction. Exactly. Because you're still, you still have the beginner's mind. Yeah. Um, okay. I have so many things that I want to go to. Okay. So you've got your website. You've got, so your got a website, card. business card, and then in steps, my momager, my mom. <laughs> So, oh my god first of all you know my mom me. you love her she slays me she's the best she's that person where everybody wants to hug her i did everybody loves her i do yeah she's just great so my mom was at a bris which is like a jewish ceremony for um a, a young child newborn baby and what's happening in the bris michelle it's a little snip situation snip. yeah yep. snipping bagels that's kind of what we do mm-hmm. when i had to explain this to somebody who was not jewish the other day it, it does seem really weird like we do like surgery and have brunch having lived in new york and spent a lot of time with many of my friends and jewish families and dated yeah. multiple jewish men yeah um i i understand it and i feel very comfortable with it but i think i don't just hearing about it is <laughs> hilarious it's so funny when you boil it down to that it's it's surgery and brunch you know it busts me up so my mom was at this bris and she ran into a family friend of ours and they were schmoozing about like what is michelle doing these days and she said that i'm into makeup and he said oh i'm gonna take her name and keep it in mind he was a first assistant director for a lot of projects especially in television So he reached out to me a couple weeks later because his makeup artist on a show that he was working on needed an assistant and hers had quit. Hmm. So he was like, do you want to do this job? And I was like, okay. Does the dog want a bone? Also, yeah, right. Like, I'm going to (laughs) go. And I just want to say also, I showed up dressed so inappropriate for this job. I had never been on a set before. What were you wearing? I had done, I'll just say this. I had only done photo shoots before. What were you wearing? I wore, <laughs> I had, like, a really nice blouse on. <laughs> a really nice blouse? A really nice blouse. Um, like, jeans and, like, thigh-high boots. Like, I had, like, <laughs> jewelry on. Like, I was, like, dressed very nicely. Dressed to kill. To work on a war recreation show that I didn't know that I was on. <laughs> and it was, like, filthy, dirty. Like, everybody else was in, like, sweatpants, jeans, overalls, like. Head to toe black. Mm, yeah like i was actually wearing color surprisingly enough for me at the time um but yeah i walked in and i just was so out of place and 
the woman was really nice but like very stern because she also didn't know that I had zero experience and I was like I'm just gonna fake my way through this so my first actor who I ever worked on had a toupee and I didn't know that and she said to me he's got a piece I'm sorry he said to me I have a piece and I was like a piece of what like no <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I felt really in over my head. I was like, oh my God, like, okay, we're just going to do it. But it worked out. I made it happen. And the show. How I did was, you handle the piece? I combed it and I uh, <laughs> was really careful. And uh, it just, you know what? It was one of those moments where I, she was the artist who I was working with. I wound up working with her for three, almost four years on shows. Wow. And I really owe. Uh, a huge debt of gratitude to her for kind of showing me the ropes. And Putting she, you under her wing. She put me under her wing, but not really. Like, she also just kind of, like, threw me into the deep end and was like, I'm just going to trust you to figure it out, and I'll answer it if you need help. Swim, lady. Yeah. And I really appreciate that in hindsight. Like, at the time, it was really stressful. But in hindsight, I think, like, her um, push for me to be confident was really a big turning point for me in terms of developing my artistry and developing my set skills. Um, so yeah, so that was, and then from there, I shout just, out to the peoples yeah. that give people around them a chance. Yeah. You know, I, I actually have to shout out to those people totally because I, you know, we all are surrounded by people all the time that are just starting or maybe aren't on our level, but have so much love and passion Yeah, for something that, you know, maybe someone else has been doing for 15 years. Right. So I want to shout out, shout out to, to, the, the to the peoples that give <laughs> the younger, newer guys a chance because it, like, look what it's done. It's oh my done, God. It was, yeah. it was a game changer for me. And then from there, I wound up booking like other things like it was all networking at that point and you know i like a good schmooze i can like throw down with the people no one does it better but so, i don't actually like it i should say that i'm actually very socially anxious no but you put but on but i just push myself out of it yeah well you do well okay so therapy. here's here's what <laughs> therapy everyone this, is, this, this one's gonna be called makeup therapy yeah that's what i'm calling it it kind of is and makeup was for me like growing up so therapeutic too it was a sense of control over like how i felt like i looked and um even on days where i wasn't having a good day i could kind of fake it with like a you know, throw a little concealer under your eyes, put a bright lip on. There's that old, very famous uh, Elizabeth Taylor quote, like, put on your lipstick, have a drink, get it done. I just butchered that quote. But it was like something like that, <laughs> where you like, you just put on your lipstick and like move forward in life. I think that this is where, um, you know, we talked about our inner children and how they connected. Yeah. If my sisters are listening to this podcast, <laughs> they will. I don't know if I ever told you this. No. Well, I don't know, actually. I don't know. My... I had a little brass dresser in my bedroom. Okay. And I had makeup all lined up and I had all my little, all my things all there, mm -hmm. all my hair tools, everything. Mm -hmm. um, I would wake up an extra half hour, 45 minutes earlier than my sisters yeah. to get ready. Um, I had all the magazines. Yeah. All the themes for my birthday parties were hearts and cosmetics. Did you have a crimper? I had a crimper. I, like, I, as soon you, as you said hot tools, I just pictured you with a crimper. Did you also know I had benders? Do you oh, know what yeah. benders are? Heatable. Like the... Yeah, the bendies. Yeah. Yep, I had benders. Yeah. Um, Those remind me of dance competitions. 100%, but I used to do it. I also had the Conair oversized pink. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. My bangs. What about the blow dryer brush? 
hundred percent. But I will that tell you, that looked like a big toothbrush, and then everybody's hair would look really frizzy after you blow dried it like that. Well, but we I would still do did the it. benders and then the big bangs. Okay, because this is the eighties. Okay, okay. And the other things that I would like to also announce is I made a lot of personal beauty discoveries just playing around. Yeah. And I learned about my hair. I learned about my face. I learned Same. about my, and I think that there's something to that. And I know that at the time my sisters would sort of. They would make savage fun of me. Sure. You know, spending time. But I, I think in later years, how it served me is, I mean, I could take a shower, get dressed, do my hair, do my makeup in 30 minutes. I'm in and out of the door. Mm-hmm. I look like I've spent two hours on my makeup. I yeah. haven't. Yeah. Um, and or I can be on a set and do my thing. And I yeah. don't need to worry about a makeup artist touching me if I don't need them. And you do not like to be touched. I'll put that out there in case any other makeup artist <laughs> wind up working with you and they want to like do a deep creep into your podcast and figure it out. You do not like to be touched on set. <laughs> I have to bribe you by like spraying myself in lavender oil first and then approaching you very gently and saying, I need to do this. So let's just like get through it together. So I'm going to. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take a right turn. Take a right turn. To spirituality. Okay. So how did that come into play? How did that come into play? How did you find it? I've always been fascinated by that stuff. Um, as like a little kid, I went through a phase where I thought I was a witch. Yep. And I probably was to a degree, like just tapping into something. Slash you are. Yeah, I think so. I would make like potions and stuff. Um, I remember one year at school, like I went through a recess phase where I would go and collect herbs, aka like grass from the lawn, um, (laughs) for my potions. I was really into that. Um, and then I was always into astrology. Me um, too. Just like, I loved horoscope books, scholastic time, all the horoscope books always. 100%. Um, and then... Once I hit about, like, 18, 19, I was, like, more interested in psychics. Um, And I'm going to attribute that to some of my Italian friends who had their, like, psychics on the reg. And that's how I kind of got in there. But my first experience that I had that made me a real believer in spirituality came after my grandmother passed, my Bubby, my mom's mom. She was I couldn't have been closer with anybody on the planet. I still say and maintain number one favorite person I've ever met in my life. Nobody will top it. Sorry. Um, Bubs, number one. Bubs. Sending you love. The OG. Um, After she passed away, I went to a psychic who I met while I was getting my nails done. (laughs) This is all beautiful. I was getting my nails done by Lamb at my favorite place. And um, this lady walked in and she looked at me very, like, very pointedly at me and said, I think you're like a spiritual person. And I said, okay, like, I don't know, getting my nails done. Cool. And then when she left, I asked, like, who was that? And she was a psychic who was renting out space in the basement of the place where I was getting my nails done. So I made an appointment to go see her because I thought it would be really interesting. And I didn't see her in the basement of that place. I actually went to see her at her home. And I didn't know what to expect because I had seen other psychics and I thought it was kind of like they were saying, like, very general things. Like, you've, there's somebody mad at you, or, like, you've done this. Like, it wasn't anything that really made me feel, like, spiritual. But then I went to her, and 
Lynn told me, like, she, she brought my grandmother's energy in, she said, and she described a birthday cake that my bubby and I made for my brother's second birthday. Wow. To the detail of saying the Oreo wheel, it was a school bus cake. She's like, and it had Oreo wheels and these like little licorice windshield wipers. And she's showing me the memory of making it with you. And I'm sitting there hysterical, like couldn't be crying anymore. And then the thing that really blew my mind, like I was thinking in my head, I was trying to justify it away. I was like, maybe it's a picture on Facebook, but like, why would there be a picture of my brother's like second birthday cake? Like (laughs) Facebook was only like three years old at that point. Like it was like not a thing. But then she told me that Jews generally don't put anything in the caskets. And my aunt and I snuck in and put three things in the casket with my bubby. It was um, a photograph of the family a little bag of her favorite peppermints because I always associate them with her and her favorite lipstick in this like lipstick case. And she said, your grandmother wants to thank you for the lipstick and the peppermints. And she wants you to always remember that she's still part of the family. I'm like getting for I'm talking about it now, but like, it was one of those moments where I just oh like the universe opened up to me and I, I had to really challenge like, I'm having this very unique experience. Totally. I can't explain how she knows those things, but I can feel on a certain level that I believe in this and that I understand that this is happening. And to this day, I, I can't tell you how that happened, but I just, it was that moment for me where things started to click that maybe there is something more than just like the reality that we live in. Like maybe there's something else. And it just kind of encouraged me to start exploring and moving forward. I would say that was one of the really pivotal moments. And the other one would be when I met my spirit guide, who I still go to, who's Fatima. Um, She said to me the first time I went to her, you have a gift. And part of why you're so anxious as a person is because you're not opening yourself up to that. And you're nervous because you don't know how to manage that energy. And I want to teach you how. Now, back up. How do you, how does one happen upon a spirit guide? Yeah, I feel like. I, I ask these things because I, I, I can understand this as yeah. Tiffany Pratt. I am speaking. Most people don't. For the peoples. Yeah. I, it's so funny because I use these terms very casually and then I, I do forget that it shocks people a lot. Well, um, you know, this is one thing I, <laughs> I've, I've always felt very at home with you. Yeah. And I always feel that, you know, you and I can have conversations about. Anything everything. under the sun. Yeah. And nothing is off Literally limits. everything. Um, but I also feel like when we're sharing on this level, mm-hmm. I want you to break this down to a person that maybe is entirely relating with you. Right. And they're like, where am I going to find a spirit guide? So I found my spirit guide by way of another, like, my dad used to call this my hippy dippy shit. Um, sorry, I can't. I probably yeah, you can't can. Swear. Okay, sorry. You fucking can swear on this podcast. Thank you. So my dad used to say um, that it was my hippy dippy shit, but I was going to a woman for body talk, which is another alternative therapy of sorts, where a person talks to your body and asks it what's wrong and stuff. And so that was mind boggling. And she found that I had um, a blocked energy, and she recommended that I go to see Fatima. And what was funny was, like, she had only been to Fatima once, but it was just her instinct to refer me. So it just was meant to be. 
And then I went to Fatima, who has this, like, beautiful fairy garden in the front. You, like, go in her house, and there's music, and it's calm. She read my cards. She told me I was going to learn how to read cards. And then I went back to her for one more reading, because I wasn't, like, completely sold on it at that point. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to learn how to read cards. Like, cool. So I had signed up for eight classes with her. She usually does eight to ten, she says, for students. And then she laid out the cards in front of me and she's like, I want you to just do what instinctually comes to you. And I read her cards like according to her, like perfectly accurately the first time. So we just did the one lesson and she's like, I'm not, I can't take your money. Like, okay, so you know what you're doing. I have to pause this. Pause. I'm pausing this because there's a few things I want to, I want to make a mention here. One is, um, we call it the spiritual journey or the spiritual path. But I think like Michelle, we happen upon these circumstances or people or appointments or some things that like in your case, it was body talk. Yep. And how you came to body talk was through one of my campers parents. Right. Because I, I don't, I don't remember what, it, Oh, I had like a chronic back pain okay. and she was like, go see my person. Like she's great to my kids. So and this she's is the awesome. Stuff, I love this stuff. And I always like to talk to people about, there are, you know, angels and guides all over the place. Everywhere. And they come with different faces and different masks. And it could be your neighbor. It mm -hmm. could be the guy at the local barbershop. Mm -hmm. But somehow you meet the people you're supposed to meet. Always. At, and everything is a step to the direction that you're supposed to go. And all we really need to do is say yes. Always. And so I just wanted to say that. I needed just to say that often, you know, everyone's so curious about going right Right to the source. Right. And sometimes you can't get right to the source. No. you got to get there by taking all sorts of different interesting little steps along the way. Actually, I would argue that it's always steps along the way. Yeah. I think, I think as humans, we're very conditioned to think of time and um, effort as this linear motion. And even like the path for success, like a lot of people think it's going to just be like kind of a straight shot Never. to an end goal. Um, but I think that if anything, I've learned that it's never really going to be what you expect it to be. And if you're just open, you'll find the things that you need. A hundred percent. And I, I, I also have to use the term discernment mm. because I think when you're on your path, mm -hmm. you start to develop your own skills of discernment Yeah. to the things that feel really good for you that you think are worth exploring and other things that just don't sit right. Yeah. You know, like you were talking about Fatima and going yeah. to her fairy garden and you're the first time you're like, okay, I'm going to go back for another one yeah. and see, cause you're, you're still discerning yeah. if she was the right fit. And then, I loved her. I have to say, I loved her so much right away. I knew that I loved her from the get-go, but I didn't know if I was being ridiculous to buy into this spirituality thing. If I was being, like, absurd to talk about angels and fairies and all this kind of stuff with somebody. Because, you know, it like, it felt so... It's, it's unusual. Even now, like, when I talk about it to people, I, like, I'm very, like, well, this apologetic is about it. I'm like, I know it's, like, a little weird, but, like... It's one of those things where it just felt right. And I, reading cards was such a, it was a language that I felt like I knew how to speak without even knowing it. Okay, so cards. I believe we're in a card culture right now. Yeah. Um, and I want you to dig into that a little bit. And okay. why I'm calling it card culture is because I think truly the last two years, different people with different magical skills mm -hmm. or abilities or psychic or spiritual perceptions mm -hmm. have been developing decks of cards mm -hmm. that are intended to be sort of a physical guide for us yep. to kind of know what's happening in our here now. Yep. And um, 
I have I, one in the works. And I I can't wait for this deck to come out, by the way. It's going to be fun. It's going to probably be my favorite. But <laughs> I remember first meeting Michelle, and she told me, I read angel cards. And she specifically said, I read angel cards. Um, not I read cards. I'm a tarot card reader. It was angel I cards. I actually don't know how to read tarot, I should say. I never studied it. I don't know it. And I, I think everyone chooses their modality. And your angel card reading... And still, every reading you've ever given me. Mm-hmm. I've never had anyone pull cards. The, your deck is in, like, she's mashed up all these different decks. <laughs> it's not even one deck. It's like, how many? Six decks? Twelve decks? I have like seven or eight. Seven or eight different decks yeah. from different healers. And they're not whole, because I find that sometimes I give cards away to people. Sometimes they need to go to someone. I can't even describe how this happens. But bottom line is, I had her do an angel card reading for me at the beginning of this year. Mm-hmm. And I want you to talk about cards and how they feel intuitive to you mm-hmm. and how readings feel and and like how Ugh. that's because this is a part of you that I'm I'm personally very excited about helping you grow. You are very excited about that more than I, anybody. I just uh, I've, I I want to help you with that because I just I feel like that. it's your special it's one of your special superpowers. It's like my dirty secret in a lot of ways. Like I don't talk about it. In I know, a lot but of cases. I feel I actually I oh, feel like this is almost like my coming out episode. <laughs> like, this is she's coming out of the closet, folks. I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. Okay, Okay. so continue. Um, Coming out as like a spiritual hippy-dippy person. Although I I guess most people aren't shocked by it. If anyone meets you, they're not going to be shocked. Yeah, nobody's shocked by that in hindsight. I probably... But um, yeah, so I think for me, cards became a way of having a piece of external validation for things I already knew. So it's, for me, cards are a conversation with, your inner voice and when I'm working with somebody to do that it's I'm so you've had readings with me I never ask somebody what they want to know about I'm just gonna lay the cards out and tell you what I'm seeing in there and for me cards are almost like creating a storyboard and it's like looking at like I just kind of look at the pictures I look at the words and I'm like here's a story that's happening right now and I'm gonna tell you that story and as I'm speaking it's gonna connect with you for something. And whether you feel feelings of resistance to what I'm saying, or you feel feelings of validation to what I'm saying, that in and of itself is the tool. So I don't look at them, like some people use cards to like predict the future or this and that. For me, it's just a tool to facilitate a conversation with that part of yourself that knows what's really true. And it can sometimes spark feelings of um, excitement for people. Sometimes it's sadness if they're like healing something. But I think it's just pointing you in the direction of paying attention to something that maybe you didn't realize you needed to pay more attention to. I love the way you look at cards. I love the way you handle them. I love the way you tell stories through them. Yeah. I also love um, the reactions. So I... The I, people's reactions are my favorite part because it shocks me that every time I read somebody's cards, it shocks me that it means anything to somebody. And I've done it like 
dozens and dozens and dozens of times. What you have learned from this podcast is Michelle Silverstein is the queen of the beginner's mind because everything she does, she's just shocked. Like, wow, I did such a great job on this makeup <laughs> or wow, I, I did this really great, like uh, amazing card reading. Like er, you're so such a talented soul, but every time you're so shocked at your abilities and it's the most humbling, sweetest thing I've ever seen in my whole life. So but at the same time, I'm a real gold star kid. Like I want to know that I'm getting validation. Like I want to see that reaction out of somebody. Too. I had, uh, Michelle, do angel card readings and at an event I was hosting mm -hmm. and her station was rammered like was people exhausting. were lined up to to see her and you should have seen the looks on everyone's faces they were riveted they could not take their eyes off of you and it was <laughs> for me as you know someone that had put you forth for this special skill for this event yeah I was so delighted <laughs> to know that the feelings I have around your abilities were pretty much echoed and then some to every single person that came there. And um, I just want to shout out to everybody that has something on the side. Yeah. A side hustle. Right. Yeah. Don't you think that sometimes... I wouldn't say that this is a hustle for me. Like there was a point where I considered like maybe I'm going to take this into like a career mode. But then I also really... And I think this is something a lot of people struggle with. And like I know that I've had this with other people like it's hard to feel like you're taking one career seriously when you start to invest in something else as well. Right. And I didn't want to seem like flaky and like, oh, like I've got my hands in all the honey pots at the same time. Like I wanted to kind of be taken seriously and focused as a makeup artist and hairstylist. So I think I was hesitant to do it, but I, I really appreciated, like I hadn't worked an event in a long time, but it was also the event that I worked at for you. It was not people who were accustomed to being in your kind of realm of spirituality. Like you set up that whole room for all these like treasure troves of different experiences for people. Well, I, I think what I want to talk about now is how, you actually bring spirituality to your work when you're doing someone's face. Yeah. And I want you to talk about that because I know that there are times like, you know, you show up on a set, mm -hmm. not a spiritual place, mm -hmm. not set for a lot of, you know, deep diving. This yeah. is usually a very um, ego-driven environment mm -hmm. and or people that are a little bit nervous that aren't doing something that are doing something that they're not used to doing. Yeah. Maybe not used to having someone doing their makeup. Yeah has one touching them yeah. and making them look a certain way. Well, that's what it is. It's like the, the element of touch. So with makeup, like, I mean, if you think about it, like how many people do you let touch your face and your head? Not often. It's not, not often, right? So, and, and I'm doing it. I'm like, hey, hi, how are you? And like my fingers are all up in your business after yeah. like a minute. So I think for a lot of people, it's a really unnerving experience. So for me, um, the way that my spirituality really works with me is like I put myself into a headspace before I go in that I know I'm going to be really calm because that's what I want to bring to the experience for somebody else, whether it's working with somebody on set or a bride or I work with people. Listen, you're not getting your makeup done generally unless you're doing something important. Whether it's like getting your picture done, being on camera or going off to get married or I don't know, like go to a party. But in any case, like most people are a little bit strung up in that moment. You just have such a beautiful way because I, I didn't even feel like I was that strung up when you came to my house, but I was strung up. You were really strung up. And I, <laughs> I was like, oh, you're I, flying high. And I was and then by the time, you know, I was dressed and ready and I was walking out, I was like, I feel like I just got emotionally worked over. <laughs> 
<laughs> in the most positive way by this woman I barely know. And so I want you to talk about that because one thing I think is so beautiful about you is you're so selfless and you ask so many questions oh and you God. dig into things. I feel like this is just like a compliment fest. <laughs> no, but think about it. When you're working on someone's face, you're mm -hmm. so excited and genuinely interested in the other mm -hmm. person. And I think if you were to think of like three tips right now okay. that you were going to give people okay. in that work in the beauty industry or otherwise, that's okay. going to make people feel instantly comfortable, you know, as the, oh. as a Swiss army knife that you are. <laughs> uh, three things to make somebody feel calm. Like that you're in, you're, you're at a wedding, you're on a set or oh. whatever. Yeah. And you're I like, I think it really comes from within first. Like if you're cool with yourself and you're in a good space, yep. um, you can make it work. And it's a lot about, um, being open to giving people the space to have their feelings and like let them settle into that too. Like not trying to talk them out of it necessarily, but just acknowledging that it's happening. So for example, if somebody says to me like, oh my God, I'm so nervous. I'm not gonna immediately say like, oh, please like, don't worry about it. Like it's fine. Unless that's like the kind of person who can handle it. But I think for the most part, people wanna be heard and like have their kind of feelings validated. But again, it's like, it's really different with different people because there's some people who are so excited to be having their makeup done and they want you all up in their space. There's some people who like, I find especially when I work with men, um, and this is a broad stereotype, but for the most part, men are very, very nervous to have makeup on. Of um, course, because men don't wear makeup. It's yeah, but even unknown. the ones who do, like, even, like, when I work with, like, actors and stuff where it's, like, you do this all the time, like, why is this, like, news to you right now? Mm -hmm. It's, like, I think it's just a different element, and I think women are more um, comfortable, like, touching one another, like, I think it's just a, a more assumed space of intimacy, but I would say... Having your own energy really calm, like I know before I go on to a job, I always make time to meditate in the morning so that my head's clear, so I'm not bringing my shit and my baggage into the space. Okay. Um, I would say I think it's a matter of giving people space to have their feelings, and I would say it's also um, like following your intuition. Like if you can feel that somebody's really stressed out, like... I don't know, you know, I have like my little goodie bag with tools <laughs> and like, I'm not afraid to push something on somebody like you need a cup of tea. Like, have you had a glass of water today? I really like hone into my inner Bubby. Jewish neurotic mom or like inner Jewish Bubby where it's like, do I need to give you a snack? Do you need some lavender oil to calm down? You know, I was working on a shoot last week and the <laughs> director producer who I was working with, I love him, but like he gets like wildly stressed out <laughs> and I just pulled him aside and I was like, I'm going to dab some oil on your temples and behind your ears right now. And we're just going to breathe together for a minute. And like, it's a little bit audacious as like a makeup artist. I to was kind just of really hoping that we're going to go there because this is how you roll. Continue. It was a little, it was a little audacious, I guess, but um, I think him and I have enough of a vibe that it was okay. <laughs> it was like appropriate in an inappropriate kind of way. <laughs> Um, but it, it helps. Like, I think taking the time to observe somebody and kind of, I can't really like explain it. It's just like, I'm, I've always been very nurturing. Like, even as like a little kid, I was always like the kid who would go upstairs and like hang out with my friend's parents. Cause I could like get along and like talk to them. But you do have <laughs> an ability. You have this above and beyond thing. And I, I think we should all, we can all learn from being a little bit more above and beyond. Because you do. 
I think it comes from me. Like I'll say, I want to do this photo shoot and you've gone out and crafted all these bobby pins and done all this (laughs) stuff. Like you've gone above and beyond. And I just want to say like, that is something, it's a very powerful message that I don't think everyone always wants to share that this element of above and beyond. Oh, well, it's so funny because I don't think of myself like that at all. I think of myself as really lazy, but I think when you're lazy at home, you make up for it when you're on set and you're (laughs) just like, you just hit the ball right out of the park. (laughs) Thank you. You're a very walking generous. dichotomy. That's very generous. I am. I'm like I'm like two ends of the spectrum. You should be like a Gemini. The laziest, you should laziest. be a Gemini. I don't think so because I'm not like too facey. Sorry, <laughs> Gemini's, but like, like it's, not, it's not for she. Um, I think that. I think the other thing is, is that I think I'm able to kind of recognize it in other people because I'm such an anxious person myself. So a lot of it's just me projecting that onto other people, I think, in some cases where it's like, I recognize how I would feel if I was you in this situation. So maybe I'm going to consider maybe you need that help the way that I would need that help. I think in general, that's a rule that people should start like holding on to in their lives a little bit more. Like if we... You know, we live in this kind of seven inch world right now where it's all like on a screen in your hands. So it's easy to get caught up in like what's going on with you. And it's sometimes challenging to get outside of that and think about how is that person feeling in that situation and looking kind of past the surface behaviors to seeing like what's at the root of it. The root of the root. The root of the root. And to me, everything in life boils down to either fear or love. So it's a matter of identifying what is this person afraid of right now that's making them have this like angry reaction or this anxious reaction or something like what fear can I alleviate for them? And sometimes just a little gesture of care or like nurturing can make all the difference in somebody's attitude and tone for the rest of the day. I feel like that was the gold right there. That was the nugget. That's the gold. <laughs> you just hit the gold. I just, I'm like, I, you know, when you're, you're inside your mind, you're, like, yeah, and you're yeah. taking notes. Scribbling that's, it out. That's the scribble. <laughs> Three things that you would like um, anybody, but particularly women, to feel, to do, or little fun hot tips that you like to share to make them feel more beautiful. Okay, so I think... For me, one of the pivotal turning points with makeup for me was when I stopped wearing makeup with the intention of covering and hiding all my flaws and shifted to how can I celebrate something on my face today? And like, I've had acne my whole life. I mean, like I get puffy and I get dark circles and stuff. So like, I'm so attuned to using it to cover those things. And that's kind of how it's marketed to us too. But every day I make a point of giving myself a compliment on one feature. So maybe I'm having like a terrible skin day, but like my lashes look great and I'm going to tell myself I love my lashes. I love this. I think the most common thing I have when people sit down in my chair is the first thing they do is apologize for a litany of things. And it's not just like a Canadian thing where we're just like very (laughs) polite, but it's like I think it's really and truly like we're so conditioned to be like, oh, my God. 
I'm so sorry my, like, I have, like, a pimple. Oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Like, my eyes are so tired. Like, ugh, my nose is the worst. You're gonna have to contour it, blah, blah, blah. Like, people just give me their laundry list of things they hate about themselves. So a lot of times how I start a makeup is saying, like, let's pause for a second. What's something you really love about your face? And I think if more people adopted that into their day-to-day -day routine, it just makes life a little bit less stressful, you know? 100%. There's so many things coming at us to hate ourselves, like, inside out, upside down. And I think within the cosmetic world like a oh. lot of it is about improving yourself yes but i i like to try to see how i can shift it to celebrating myself in terms of just Im instead of just improving myself sometimes so one of the tips is love celebrate some yourself love something like celebrate something there is not a single person who doesn't have at least one thing going on that's worthy of being celebrated and highlighted. And I don't just mean like literal, like makeup highlight. I mean like, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I mean like throw a lipstick on and like maybe even if you're at a space where you are feeling so down about yourself that you can't find something, like I say when in doubt, throw a bright lip on because at least highlight your words and highlight what you're saying by bringing attention to that feature. Yep. Or maybe you're not feeling bold enough to talk that day, then like throw a bit of color on your eye and like see the world through a bit of sparkle, you know? So if someone's going to tune into this podcast and they're mm -hmm. kind of miss, miss the whole beginning part where you and I were a little bit more slapstick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want your overarching message of love my overarching uh, message of love to the peoples. What do you want that message to be? I think a lot of people are um, afraid to use up their love. Like it's almost like, I think a lot of people treat love like it's a finite resource. I think once you step into the headspace of abundance and infusing love into the little moments, you know, places where it needs to be I think that's the that's the gist like treat love as if there's an abundance of it give it generously and start it with yourself it's the hardest but I think loving yourself is the hardest thing and I think that's going to be the journey for everybody forever like and it's never going to be and don't be afraid when it's not consistent you know like you could have a day where you don't love yourself as much or you don't love that thing but always reconnect to the point that there's an abundance of love in the world and in my life and I can gift it to myself and gift it to others very generously and it'll flow. Cause beauty really is a self love ritual. A hundred percent. You're saying to yourself, you know, some people don't interact with it in that way, but I have people say to me all the time, like I hate putting on makeup. Like it's another step in my day, blah, blah, blah. But you know, for me, there's that kind of like split between like, am I doing this because this is what society expects of me? Or like, am I doing this because it's something I really love? I think it's taking the time to invest in how you feel walking around in the world. 100 million percent. And for me, like I feel better when I've invested some time into myself in the start of the day, you know, when I just yeah. wake up and I have to like rush out the door which never happens. Like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm like, when I, I won't open my door for like a delivery person without a little concealer on. But like, I think, it's like, oh my God. But I think the, the punchline is, I think investing in yourself 
whether that's with skincare, like it doesn't have to be makeup. It can just be like investing in rituals that make you feel beautiful and investing time in um, amplifying that love so that it shines through and touches other people. Close your eyes. What color is makeup? Oh, see, that's the best question because makeup's not a color for me. And I think of everything as color. Makeup's not one color for me. What color? What colors is makeup? Makeup is sparkle. What color is beauty? Beauty is a spectrum. And I think the magical thing about beauty is that it's every shade in between. It's finding the beauty in literally every color. And you can't have kind of one color without the other being a little there too. It's everything. What color is self-love? To me, self-love is turquoise. And it's that kind of like, it's the ocean, it's like the cleansing water, it's that like very nourishing maternal energy turquoise. Last question. Okay. What color do you feel or do you emit when you think of your angel card readings or you're giving an angel card reading and serving the peoples? What color do I think of for myself or for them? All. I always try, when I get into my headspace to do card readings, I put myself in what I call a bubble of light. I'll do like a visual for myself. And the bubble kind of changes time to time, but I always start with uh, a very soft, milky pink. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, what do you love the most about your life? That it is full of interesting and wonderful people. Yeah, I get to meet amazing people all the time and have these... I think my career especially has taken me into really intimate and private and special moments with people. I get to witness people in really vulnerable moments and have this like amazing sense of connection with lots of different people. And it's just completely expanded my mind in terms of seeing the beautiful elements of humanity. Michelle Silverstein. Tiffany Pratt. The day you walked into my life, <laughs> I did not know what was about to happen. And I was just getting my hair done before an event, yeah. I thought. And um, fast forward to today, I can't tell you the amount of joy and love and immense amount of, amounts of laughter <laughs> and adventure and sisterhood and team and um, family you've brought into my life. So I'm so grateful to you. I love you so much. I love I'm, you so much. And I feel, all, I don't think I could have said it any better. We're just a pair of giggle busts walking around. Totally. Living our lives, having an adventure. We really are. And I, I will leave, I will leave it this, this way that you have brought a Swiss army knife <laughs> of goodness and love and service and kindness and appreciation and understanding uh, into my life like no other so I am but a mirror of all those things that you possess so please know that if any of those kind and very generous things you say about me it's only a reflection of the amazing and wonderful things 
that you bring to my life and my world. Love you. Love you. I love you. I love you. Love you. <laughs> <laughs> I am forever grateful to every guest that will join me and share themselves and their hearts on the Love Jam. So thank you so much, all of you, for coming on and sharing yourself. Uh, just is what makes the world such a richer place. Coco Trabagian, the genius behind the mixing and the recording of the Love Jam and the person who wrote the theme music himself. It's truly not even possible for me to have this podcast without you. So I love you and I thank you forever. And Delta Faucets Canada, oh my God. Without your encouragement and your support, this wouldn't even be happening. So thank you, thank you, thank you to every single one of you. Um, without your hand, this love would not be in the world. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for you. You, you that lovely human listening to this podcast. From the depth of my soul, thank you so much for taking your time and wanting to listen to me and my friends jam about love. <laughs>